Yo, 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 what's good? This is Chairman House of Barf. We back in the building. How's everybody feeling? Fuck everything else. Right now we here for business, accounting, regulation, finance. This is why we come here for that. We come here to be able to sit down and also enjoy some music and not even have to worry about feeling guilty about talking about finances and business. We in a safe space. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, just working on things. I'm noticing little trickles, little trickles, not not big trickles, just little trickles of, you know, people taking at least 60 seconds to listen to an episode. I can't tell if they listen to it any longer than that. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead. We're about to get ready. Um, it's Friday. Uh, what is it? June 23rd. Let me see, let me see. Mm. Yes, June 23rd, right now it's approximately 12.04 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So so it's only approximately about, let me see right now, let me see. What's the day looking like in in, in Prince George's, Maryland? It's about 72 degrees, a little cloudy. We out here, I'm getting all my stuff pulled up. Uh, I'm not set up yet. Um... I have no idea what's going on in the market. Did see some news that the Dow fell approximately about 200 points. Um, not a surprise uh, with considering, you know, uh, some of the news that came out by the Fed. Basically just, you know, just letting us know like, hey, don't, don't, yo, we're not even close to the amount of uh, interest rates uh, that we're going to raise them to. Uh, I'm sure there was some other news that I may have looked over, brushed over. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're, looks like, you know, I'm pretty sure it's still same old, same old semiconductors. Again, we can't get too wrapped around the market because, I mean, you'll be wrapped up around the same thing over and over and over. So, yeah, we're just getting into this. Thank you so much to anybody and everybody who took time out of their wonderful day to come kick it with your man, Chairman. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. This Chairman, House of Barf. All right, all right, this is Chan Man, House of Barf, just getting into it, just getting everything set up. Uh, still don't have everything set up. I actually have uh, a Bev, uh, so I was like, oh shit, let me go ahead and get one. Right now, I always say that I'm going to try to wait till the end of the episode to share what Bev was in my glass, but let's go ahead and get it. It's a 90-minute Imperial IPA, uh, 9%, um, this is just a 12-ounce bottle, um... Dogfish here, Dogfish Head Craft Brewery, uh, Milton, Delaware. Fantastic. All right, please drink responsibly. Let's get it. All right, pour. Got my beverage. I already poured it. Uh, I should have waited till I got on the uh, on the mic to pour it with y'all. Getting all my stuff pulled up right now. I'm getting my Thinkorswim platform pulled up. Um, again, just trading on simulated money. Uh, not trading with real money yet. Uh, we're taking it easy. We're moving forward. There's no rush. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like good intimacy. You know what I'm saying? Good. Just take your time, man. Don't rush. You know, uh, unless you got something to do, then you kind of gotta, you know, speed up. But yeah, for the most part. All right, let's go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> you should just see kind of the way things fluctuate. Like, I'm down fifty dollars. I'm up fifty dollars. I'm down fifty. Yo, this shit is crazy. Uh, considering that we have options in the portfolio. 
So real quick before we get to the portfolio, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at, I'm going to start with TD Ameritrade Network, see what they're talking about. would probably be uh, uh, the housing data. Otherwise, uh, things were a, a, a little bit dim. Yeah, and uh, we've got the PMI up there, Kevin, uh, to yeah. Joe's, Joe's point here. And we saw services number overseas in the Eurozone kind of start to fall. I think uh, France actually went negative in services. And I, I suspect that you know we saw the weakening manufacturing data that continues to be in contractionary territory. But the services number was actually... Uh, worse than expected, so that sticky inflation on the services side rears its ugly head once again and creates, like, you know, a little bit of a problem. That hey, yeah, let's take a take a quick pause on that real quick. Um, just want to make sure I have the correct thing uh, uh, that they're discussing. What is PMI? According to Wikipedia, lenders' mortgage insurance, also known oh. as private mortgage insurance oh. in the U.S., is the name for a type of insurance payable to a lender or to a trustee oh, for securities that may be required when taking out a mortgage loan. I just made myself sick. Uh, oh, that's what they were just... Oh, gosh, that damn PMI. Pissing me off. And they're behind, so they, they've got... But here, Tom, you know, it's interesting... Okay, they're talking about S&P 500 laggards, FC, ticker symbol FCT, ticker symbol AIZ, ticker symbol VFC, ticker symbol TFX, ticker symbol uh, WBD. Don't know all these coming. I think WBD is Warner Brothers. Uh, here, let me take, I don't, I'm not sure exactly. We're talking about demand going down. Leaders, ticker symbol KMZ, ticker symbol DGZ, ticker symbol DRI, ticker symbol BRO, ticker symbol VLO. Neutral camp, right, yeah. and you've got crude oil plummeting here below seventy dollars. I think there's warning signals, maybe not from the U.S., but right. from around the world. There are, yeah, warning signals for sure, Joe. Yeah, I think yeah, there's warning signals from around the world. Let's go ahead and take a look to see what CNBC U.S. is talking about. What are they on? I think you alluded to with the housing market showing some green shoots here. A question for you on this hard landing versus soft landing versus rolling recession. It seems to me that the... They're talking currently to Schwab's Liz Ann Saunders. Think about where initial weekly jobless claims are, 264-odd thousand. You know, from a historical perspective, that actually isn't that high. But it certainly has a lot of people talking that the cracks are forming in the labor market and that they could get worse. What's your outlook on the labor market? So the not historically high is a level analysis, not a rate of change. Yes. And the move up off the uh, the low. Uh, historical analysis is what it, a historical factor, not a thing of change. Okay, so okay. I, to me, I don't look at claims in level terms or even things like payrolls in level terms and say no chance of recession because payrolls actually – of the last, uh, I don't know, 12 cycles, you've had payrolls growing in many cases by triple digit at the point the recession uh, starts. So 
I think claims are up enough. The, the one saving grace so far is that continuing claims are still trending down, suggesting that even though there's more people filing, many of those people don't stay on unemployment insurance. They're finding uh, another job. So I, I think we're at the point in the labor market is we, we have to peel at least one layer of the onion back with all of these data points to get a true sense of what's going on. And to me, the biggest tell potentially is the shrinkage in the hours worked. We know I'm not sure, but um, never really good at you know, you know, you know, reading uh, reading people. I, you know, you feel vibrations, you feel energy, and everything. But from the news I'm seeing this morning, just I'm dead ass. Just in these last few seconds, well, five minutes, we've been uh, talking. What I'm getting is a state of um, kind of uncertainty, of panic, a little bit. It it, it is looking like everything is going to go bad. Uh, for, not bad isn't like the world's coming to an end or anything like that, but just looks like there will be a slowdown in um, revenues, slowdown in uh, housing market. Um, the unemployment rate will probably stay around. I don't know. What's that? Is that about three, four percent right now? Let's go ahead and take a look at that. Um, and that PMI gave me a headache. I'm like, that. that's what I'm arguing with my bank about right now. And it's even yesterday I talked to my bank and it, you know every time I talk to a representative they always say man I don't know what they're doing I know exactly what they're doing that that thing is stuck on there it's an extra four or five hundred dollars a month but they're like yeah that's as far as far I've been in the bank industry for a while and as far as I knew 20 percent or three years but they're saying yeah it looks like according to your paper I guess you signed off to have it on there for 30 years and I was like yo that's no, I was waiting on three years for that thing to fall off, you know, and it's just like, yeah, it's a cruel and unusual world. And what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Um, so let's go ahead and take a quick look at um, what is the current unemployment rate? 3.70%. According to Y charts, U.S. unemployment rate is at 3.70% compared to 3.40% last month and 3.60% last year. This is lower than the long-term average of 5.72%. So, uh, essentially with that rate, and if I'm correct, they always say the unemployment rate is higher than that. Um, usually when you get unemployment uh, numbers, it's usually by the people who have uh, filed for unemployment claims or whatnot. So you could have a bunch of individuals who've either filed for unemployment before and are no longer filing for unemployment, or you have people who uh, have not filed for unemployment at all. Um, even myself included, I have not yet to file for unemployment. Uh, but again, we're going to go down that journey of me filing for unemployment, calling my general creditors, um, uh, moving uh, money around. Um, I've actually been, you know, Spending too much money, uh, just, you know, hanging out and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, based on all the numbers, it does look like we're going for a slowdown in the economy, uh, uh, at least even short term. Uh, the inflation uh, uh, is, you know, people are getting more hip and more aware of their surroundings. People aren't just sitting out here, um, you know, just walking around as much as, as I think as much as before. 
even me, I'm, I get more and more calls about, hey, what's going on in the market? I heard that, uh, you know, inflation rates or I heard NVIDIA went up. Like, I'm getting more and more calls of people being more and more aware of what's going on. So um, I just think that that's really cool. So I don't think we just have a bunch of individuals just out here not understanding uh, what's going on more. And since they're um, understanding more. Uh, they are um, they are now uh, uh, I try to say I'll, I'll watch the us and the ums. They are now making decisions based on uh, the the anal- the analytics that they're doing very basically. Uh, so uh, there's this saying, um, uh, what is it? Uh, analysis by paralysis. Now, if you're a person that's already been in the market, you've been doing this for 10 years. Uh, there's even people that have been training for 20, 30, 40 years. So you've been in here. You know that news that comes out, you got to take with a grain of salt. I don't even know what that saying means. But uh, essentially, the news comes out. You know there's, uh, there's, there's basically a few individuals who run all the media sources, uh, you know, including uh, Bloomberg, BBC, Fox, CNBC, all the little ones, CNBC, Go, or, you know, all the major, there's few individuals. I don't know how many, uh, but uh, just, you know, hypothetically speaking, let's just say we have uh, 10 individuals that own pretty much all the uh, media sources, Comcast, Verizon, uh, however you want to go, Metro PC, Um, um, they... um, they can control so much. So you already know when I'm looking at CNBC right now, I already know this is a message. Uh, sometimes when people will call uh, people on uh, these media sources, what they'll call them as talking heads. Here, I'll see. What does talking head mean? Here's the definition of talking head. Informal. A commentator or reporter on television who addresses the camera and is viewed in close-up. Oh, okay. So they're viewed in close-up. Uh, so, um, that's not exactly what I thought, but basically, uh, they get the message from the big wigs from up top. I don't know who Rupert Murdoch or whoever Showtime made that show about, uh, he was at Fox. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. If you, uh, you, that one you should watch. It's, it's not even a thriller. It's not even a horror, but it kind of was a little bit, man. I like as much as like people, you know, say like, you know, women, um, you know, being victims, you know, did they bring it on themselves and whatnot? It's like, man, you watch stuff like that and you realize like, dog, there's some women out there that just wanted to go to work, you know, and uh, finally get a job at a company like Fox. Russell Crowe played this guy. Let me see real quick. Um, let me see. I'm just going to type in uh, Russell Crowe and Fox. What was that movie? Uh, was it Roger, Roger Isles, uh, the loudest voice? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he ran, I mean, he was huge at Fox for, uh, I think the Donald Trump campaign. I, don't quote me. You got to go see it. But yeah, like, yeah, stuff like that, you know, um, yeah, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, yeah. So basically the talking head. So, so you know that these, this news is basically coming from, uh, a group of people, 
uh, and then they put it out there. So you really chew on the meat and spit on the bone. You kind of say, okay, this is what they're they're pushing. Uh, there's different things that organizations can push. Uh, some may want to push the positive note. You know, try to you know make sure that uh, it doesn't make the stock market plummet. You know, and then you probably got other individuals who love to incorporate fear. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, but for newer people that could do paralysis by analysis, they hear that, oh, the, the inflation rates, they hear consumer price index. I mean, uh, they hear interest rates for, uh, loans, credit cards, everything's going up. Uh, they hear there's going to be a slowing in the economy. Now there's a saying, I believe it's by Winston Churchill who said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, Okay, so let me see. Some people say it was, uh, let me see. I believe they say it was Winston, Winston Churchill. Yeah. Uh, basically, again, uh, at, uh, I'll let AI read this. Never let a good crisis go to waste. As Winston Churchill was working to form the United Nations after World War II, he famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. In another context, Churchill's insight on human. Never let a good water crisis go to waste OECD. Okay, so um, for, I would say, more tenured investors, uh, and again, I'm just specifically referring to, uh, you know, investments. Not all investments, more so uh, securities. Um, as far as like, you know, starting your own business, real estate, commercial uh, real estate, um, whatever else. I don't have the expertise on that land. That's something that I want to take a look in. Uh, if you know uh, a lot of investors, one thing you'll hear with a lot of investors is land, 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 land. God ain't making no more of it. Got to get it. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a resource that you just got to get. Um, matter of fact, a buddy of mine, not too long ago, uh, sent me a website called land and farms, um, where essentially people are on here, um, selling their land. So yeah, that's land and Um, but yeah, there's also, you know, precious metals and everything. Uh, I don't, I don't even really have even securities down packed uh, as far as like bonds and, and, uh, uh, um, options and all that. Uh, and, and the question the SEC and the IRS and everybody's going under right now is uh, cryptocurrency. Is cryptocurrency considered uh, a security? Um, but yeah, so, you know, you, you just kind of know like, okay, all right. So that's a bunch of news. They're talking about inflation. They're talking about um, uh, they're talking about the interest rates. They're talking about um, uh, semiconductors. Uh, they're talking about defense. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that they're touching on. And then also, uh, I always say like, I'll go to like, I'll go to somewhere like 89.3 or something. Uh, this is a radio station out here in DC, uh, W was it WPF, uh, W, um, FM. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. This is kind of one of the sources I use, uh, to kind of get me hip on, uh, kind of just the things that are going on in the world. Um, um, we, okay. For one thing, I did see this on CNBC, so I'm not just giving credit to, uh, a W, uh, PFW FM, uh, but 
uh, Modi was uh, the uh, prime minister. I don't even know his full name uh, was in uh, the White House yesterday. Uh, what's the prime minister of India's name? Modi. According to Wikipedia, Narendra Damodardas Modi, Gujarati, Nendimods Modi, listen, born the 17th of September 1950, is an Indian politician who has served as the 14th Prime Minister of India since May 2014. Whoa, I don't know, 14th, goodness. I guess they have a system too, every couple of years, you're, you're out. Um, So, um, Modi uh, was in the United States yesterday discussing... Um, what what were they discussing? Um, I, just, I I don't remember at all, but they were talking about uh, I think they were talking about security. Um, I can't remember everything that I was looking at about that. I think they were talking about security. Modi's doing a great job in India. Uh, I think it was security and probably taxes or something. And uh, I guess he uh, Biden probably wants to talk to him about you know um you know how did he do so well with security, considering that you know um um. It's a, you know, it's a population of a billion people, uh, the surrounding countries, uh, as well as, uh, I believe, taxes. Uh, I think there was something about taxes as well. Don't quote me on all that. Uh, but um, as far as what's going on in the world, let me see. The Palestine Laboratory. Don't know what that means. How Israel exports the technology of occupation. Okay. Um, and again, I'm on WPFWFM.org. That's uh, a radio station out here in D.C. that I listen to to kind of just, you know, uh, try to get some just some news uh, on something other than um, uh, what kind of they push. Um, uh, what they kind of push on like CNBC or Fox Business or Bloomberg or whatever. Um, here, let's see. We have a quick news update. Radiation disaster by attacking the Zaporizhia nuclear plant in Ukraine, which is the largest in Europe. Ukrainian officials raised the possibility in a briefing to international representatives. The Ukrainian counteroffensive is currently underway in the province where the plant is located. Zelensky is calling on other nations to put pressure on Moscow to prevent a possible catastrophe. Honda is recalling nearly 1.2 million vehicles because the rearview camera may not appear on the dashboard screen. The recall covers some Odyssey minivans from 2018 to 2023 and some pilot and passport SUVs. U.S. highway safety regulators say if the camera doesn't work, it could decrease visibility and cause a crash. And Princess Leia's iconic white dress from the 1977 classic Star Wars film A New Hope will go up for auction later this month. The movie relic was thought to be lost for the last 40 years until a movie memorabilia auction house founded in a former... Okay, so they're going to sell a dress for about $2.5 million. Hey, big ups. Um, All right, been going on for about 20 minutes, but let's go ahead and take a quick look at some of this. Let's see. I'm just going to take a quick look, very brief look at uh kind of what was going on with modi and um it, it, we, I, i'm just gonna start uh real quick we'll just read like one paragraph president biden welcomed indian prime minister narendra modi to the white house thursday praising a new era in u.s india relations on modi's second day of a lavish visit to the u.s that's been condemned by human rights advocates the two leaders announced a series of new initiatives, including a landmark deal for General Electric to build military jet engines in India. 
Modi delivered a speech to a joint session of Congress and was later fated at a state dinner with the President and First Lady Jill Biden. In a rare occurrence, Modi accepted questions from journalists during a news conference with President Biden. Wall Street Journal reporter Sabrina Siddiqui, who is Muslim, pressed Modi on human rights concerns and asked him what steps he's taking to improve the rights of Muslims and other minorities and press freedom in India. It's believed to be the first question Modi took from a journalist at a news conference since 2015. Prime Minister Narendra Modi, we have always proved that democracy can deliver. And when I say deliver, this is regardless of caste, creed, religion, or gender. There's absolutely no space for discrimination. Okay, so uh, that's... um. So it seems like one thing they want to talk about is working with GE on military jet engine jet engines. So uh, that's probably um, defense security right there for us as well. They need some jet engines. He's doing a great job on taxes and security. So let's work together and see what we can do. We have an issue with Russia. We have an issue with China. Um, so uh, let's see what we can do. Um uh, hundreds killed in paramilitaries and Arab militias in Sudan's Dafar region. Definitely 100% sorry to hear that. Uh, I, I'm, I don't mean to just brush over everything, but I'm keep going. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at, again on uh, democracynow.org, which I get to through WPFWFM.org. Uh, Greek authorities rescue 145 mangra- migrants stranded on Turkey-Greece border. I'm sorry, you know, here that we even have to go through this. Search for missing tourists. Um, Beijing suffers warmest June day on record. Good Lord. Um, Mexican environmentalists, Alvaro Aruzu and, oh, I'm not even going to try to even attempt to pronounce that name. Here, give me one moment. Let me let. Discrimination. Topics. India. Narendra Modi. Mexican environmentalists Alvaro Arvizu and Cuauhtémoc Marquez found murdered. June. Okay. Um. Earth Uprising Direct Action Climate Group. Okay. Climate. Um. Okay. The War Over Water. Looks like we have an issue. Um against the Navajo Nation um, over water. Uh, and I'm just brushing over these. I need to go back and take a look at so I, I can get a more understanding of what's going on. Uh, New York House Speaker won't schedule a vote on undocumented immigrant health care bill. Oh, 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 that's a sensitive topic. Undocumented immigrants um, health care. You know, I hate to hear that. So just kind of getting a feel. Uh, we have some climate issues. Um we still have the Ukraine issues. Uh, let's see what's going on with Trump. What's Trump doing? Uh, okay. There's really not much to do on Trump. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. I'm finding some stuff. Uh, Capital rioter sentenced to 12 years plus. Um, Hunter Biden is going to take a plea deal. Uh, okay. It must be serious. Um, okay. Okay, they're talking about his 37 charges. Uh, I just wanted to see if there was anything about the 2024 
um, uh, election. Uh, they're also talking about Harry uh, Belafonte. Um, I I've been learning so much about him recently, uh, but I do know that he was a um, huge actor um, uh, who you know kind of uh, uh, helped out with civil rights. I'm not going to even talk much about Harry Belafonte. I know he passed. Um, but yeah, um, uh, what did he pass on his 90th birthday? So yeah, uh, let's, let's just hear real quick. Let's just learn. I, I want to do, do a little bit of learning on Harry Belafonte. Uh, let's, let's take a quick break. I've been talking for about 25 minutes. Uh, I'm just, I'm just kind of filling the, the element real quick. Uh, this is Chairman House of Bar. All right. All right. Thank you so much to anybody and everybody who decided to come kick it with your man chairman at the house. We're just going to take a quick look. I just want to see what Harry, Harry uh, Belafonte said uh, in 2016 um, about Trump. Let's go ahead and take a quick look. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I am Amy Goodman. As we continue our special with more from Harry Belafonte, the legendary actor, singer, civil rights activist who died in April at the age of 96 here in New York City. Harry Belafonte last appeared on Democracy Now! in 2016 at a special event at the historic Riverside Church in New York to celebrate Democracy Now!'s 20th anniversary. He co-headlined the event with Noam Chomsky. It was the first time they'd done a public event together. Harry spoke about Donald Trump, who'd just been elected president. I believe that Trump in bringing a new energy to the realization of the, uh, the vastness of uh, the reach of the Ku Klux Klan is uh, not something that has been out of the, our basic purview of thought. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan, for some of us, is a constant, uh, it has a constant existence. It isn't until it touches certain aspects of white America that white America all of a sudden wakes up to the fact that uh, there's something called the Klan and that it does its mischief. Look, I'm not trying to speak, you know, in between Harry Belafonte's talking. Uh, But seriously, if you know, you know, like there's a constant existence. That's why, seriously, look, I'm not trying to... um, you know, I'm not, look, I'm not out here trying to, you know, um, you know, but seriously, like if you go to an area where there's a clue, that's what terrorism is. It's a constant existence. It's, it's just like they almost try to, uh, if you live in an area where there's a Ku Klux Klan, you, yeah, there's a, there's a constant existence. Uh, you just never know what could happen. causes me to have great thought is something that's most unique to my experience. And as I said earlier tonight, uh, at the doorstep of being 90 years of age, I had thought I'd seen it all and done it all, only to find out that at 89 I knew nothing. But... The most peculiar thing to me has been the absence of a black presence in the middle of this resistance. Not just the skirmishes that we've seen in Ferguson and uh, Black Lives Matter 
And I think those protests and those voices being raised are extremely important. All right, we'll take a quick break and we can come back to it um, uh, from the Harry Belafonte. So, did, let me see. Uh, he, he passed this April, I believe, April 2023. Let's check real quick. When did Harry Belafonte pass? April 25th, 2023. According to Wikipedia, from 2019, Belafonte's health began to decline but still was an active and prominent figure in the civil rights movement. Belafonte died from congestive heart failure at his home on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, New York City, on April 25th, 2023, at the age of 96. Mm, okay, and again, that was Wikipedia. Okay, so, um, okay, so let me take a look. Um, I just want to take a look at some other things. Let's see how the relationship with the uh, police officers are going. Um uh okay uh new haven reaches 45 million dollar settlement with randy cox who was paralyzed in a police van okay so uh i'm just going over i'm just again going over the climate uh it does look like juneteenth went well um uh this year wasn't really too much that happened on juneteenth um let's see opponents of cop city begin gathering signatures for Atlanta ballot referendum. Um, uh, let's take a look. Uh, in news here, I'm going to go ahead and see. I just want to see what this is about. So we seem to still have issues with the police. Um, and this is in no other but in Atlanta. from Atlanta. Opponents of a proposed massive police training center known as Cop City are hoping to begin collecting signatures soon to force a citywide referendum on the project in November. On Wednesday, the Atlanta City Clerk approved the language of the referendum petition to stop the $90 million project. Meanwhile, The Intercept reports Georgia's Attorney General Chris Carr has played a key role in the case of a legal observer with the Southern Poverty Law Center who faces domestic terrorism charges after being arrested in March. The DeKalb County District Attorney had recommended dropping charges against the legal observer, Thomas Webb Jurgens, but Georgia's Attorney General overruled them. Okay. Um... So I'm I'm a little confused on what's going on. Uh, I'm, it sounds like Atlanta police are trying to have a training center, and I guess people are trying to petition against it. Uh, the project is approximately about ninety million dollars. Um, the only thing I can think about that is the concern. Uh, we had a concern like that around uh, a city um, that I'm not too far from. Uh, they 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 have a police um, correctional facility, whatever they want to call it. Uh, in Upper Marlboro, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's a pretty large one. Um, I, you know what tier? You know, maximum, medium, or minimal, or whatever. Um, but I think they wanted to extend it or make it bigger as well. And people got together quick. People, as soon as that news dropped, there's two times I've seen people get together quick. Supposedly there was some news where Tesla wanted to buy out a city out here in PG. I think it was around Upper Marlboro as well. 
and um, supposedly people have been sending me videos of people fighting in uh, Jaspers and Largo. I, I hope that nonsense with Jaspers can stop. Just please stop. Jaspers is a is is, is a decent um, decent uh, establishment. And every time you go to Jaspers, it don't matter what Jaspers it is. I used to go to Jaspers and Crawford. Uh That shit shut down. I don't know what it is now. I think it's a crab restaurant or something now. Um, but two times I've seen people get together very quickly. Tesla was supposedly, I think, supposed to buy up a little bit of Upper Marlboro. And when they, um, um, when they were purchasing Upper Marlboro, um, one way, uh, somebody explained it to me was, I guess back in the day, everything were boroughs. Uh, and I guess, I'm not sure. Don't quote me. Whatever came probably before the borough was probably what they did. So Marlboro was probably like a tobacco joint. It was a tobacco spot probably. So Marlboro. Uh, so you can go to a bunch of other boroughs. Uh, um, I, I don't know. Don't quote me. But let's say a city's called like Goldsboro, right? They probably were the area where people digged for gold or something. I don't know. Don't quote me. But, but there was a bunch of places that were boroughs. B-R-O. Uh, B-O-R-O. So it's Upper Mar uh, Marlboro. Um, this area um, was on, I believe, Tesla's radar. Don't quote me. Uh, to bring in train systems or tunnels or but believe it or, uh people were talking about tesla's going to try to bring i think it was called the mock the mock something uh which was going to be a train system that was going to run at about 700 miles per hour and that was going to be able to get residents of the dmv to a place like new york in like 30 minutes so people got together quick because the route that tesla was looking at getting was supposedly um going to tear down a bunch of homes and a bunch of people are going to have to be uprooted and moved to another place uh and and people you know we're like no we can't just have tesla coming through like that so i believe they got together and petitioned and was like no we can't have that um there was this one show i think it was an amc um what was it an amc cowboy show and it showed about how train tracks would go through cities and people would petition to have it come through their city because they want their city to grow. What was that uh, cowboy movie on our show on AMC? Um, it was a Western. Uh, uh, everybody's talking about this one joint called Dirty Bag or something. Uh let me see. What were some westerns on AMC? Um, Here's a summary from Real Good. Popular western movies. Rated 6.5, 10, 7100, 6.3, 10. You don't have to keep doing that. The Last Stand. Right. 6.5, 10, 48100, right. The Ruthless 4, and 4.8, 10, 51100, okay. right. From Dusk Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. Okay. Uh... I can't remember what it was called, uh, but uh, I believe it was on AMC and it was a Western and it, they discussed about train tracks and um, and how, uh, oh, what was the name of that joint? Uh, it was a pretty good joint too. 
Uh, I can't remember. But essentially, how train tracks would come to different cities, how people wouldn't want it to come through their city, how a bunch of other people would be like, no, come cut through our city, cut through our city. Because you got to remember, what, what was happening in the show was these people were trying to build tracks, I believe, from like Utah to California. Because they wanted to, um, so they like, they dug up, let's just say they dug up a bunch of gold in California, and now they're like trying to build their way up, you know, through the West, and they're going to the uh, to the Midwest. Um, so they're building train tracks as they're going, uh, and they're looking, you know, on the map, like, okay, where do we need to build this new train track? And people are like, come here, come here. Now, they're supposedly not allowed to disclose where they're going to build the train tracks because essentially everybody would just run to that city, and uh, they'll start building there, and it'll just become uh, congested or whatever. This is what's going on in the show. Um, so... Uh, there was there were scenes where uh, they would have the big wigs deciding on where they're going to uh, build the train tracks and just keep it between them because also that's in, essentially I guess back in that day as well I'm not sure that's inside information because uh, then you could set up a shop along the train tracks and then you know you're going to get a lot of business but yeah so out here supposedly we did not want that um, that uh, system. To go through Upper Marlboro. And the other time a bunch of people got through Upper Marlboro, together in Upper Marlboro, was, I believe that the um, correctional facility was trying to extend their, you know, correctional facility or whatever. They were trying to build onto it. And people got together and were like, hell nah. Like, we, the thing that's sad about police officers is people say, if you come to our communities, it's not going to be a thing of safety. You're going to be locking up our residents. You know what I'm saying? So people were just like, nah, we're not that for that either. So I can see, uh, that's why I'm kind of reading this article about, uh, it looks like people are getting together trying to um, not get this uh, this $90 million police project built. Uh, what? You know what? One thing we haven't discussed in a little bit. Um, what is going on with uh, France's, um, what's going on with the whole French retirement age? Let me see. Um, Twelve days ago, uh, there was something done by DW News. Let's take a look. Um, let's take a look. It's sixty-four too old. Since her retirement, Miriam Bass has been living life to the fullest. Every Monday afternoon, the former English teacher goes dancing in the Bois de Vincennes in Paris, a former hunting ground. She says her days are full, but relaxed. It's important to trend. Since my parents been retired, do you know how much their days are full? Dealing with me and my bullshit at my spouse. Bullshit we got going on. Like, man, what's going on with you and your spouse, man? Yeah, we arguing. My parents always got to call me, talk to me. Yo, yo, hold yourself together. Don't do anything stupid. You know, if you need to, count backwards. Get the hell out of there. You know, uh, you know, uh, watching the children, taking the children. Their days are full. But I'm pretty sure they're a lot more peaceful than uh, working with a bunch of different uh, individuals um, at their organizations. Um, but let's go ahead and keep going about this lady uh, in France who is still partying at her old hunting grounds. It sounds like she's still hunting, but let's go ahead and keep going. 
transmit experience. I take my grandchildren with me traveling. On vacation, I teach them how to knit. No offense. What did I just say? <laughs> they take, yo, they take the grandchildren, go traveling. Like, yo, this is stuff they be doing. They be chilling. And how to dance, too. She says that she loved her job and didn't stop at 62 like the majority of her colleagues. She carried on teaching for another three years. Yo, there's people out there who love their jobs. I loved my job. I loved working with organizations, working with investors, working on the integrity of the industry and trying to work on financial regulation. It's like, damn, can those motherfuckers want to work? You got a bunch of motherfuckers who go around proudly boasting about how much they hate their job and they doing just fine. But somebody who, uh, goodness gracious, uh, just, yeah, just got a message about, uh, a dinner that I'm supposed uh and people already know they already like you don't gotta make it man we, but is it cool we could take the children like all right let's go ahead and take a quick look a lot of young people start working late now so it's normal that they have to work until they're 64 or 65 Miriam Bass does not understand why so many French people are against the pension reform which increases the age of retirement to 64. She points out that there are more and more older people and fewer younger ones. The state had to react. I'm sorry, fewer younger people. This is one thing that goes on, I think, in the world. You know, uh, this hasn't, you know. So, no offense, okay? Fuck it. I know I'm going to offend somebody. I always, I always offend somebody. That's why I don't have any followers, because the shit I'll be saying is stupid. So, I hate to say this. I'm going to lose my black card. One thing that's pissing me off about black people, I can't speak for Asians, I can't speak for, for Latinos, I don't know everything that's going on in every group, but one thing I'm noticing is black people are having less children. When I was growing up, it, it was minimal, three, four kids. Now, also, I've talked to some people and they would say, yeah, because, you know, you, you would have farms and whatnot, and you need to pop those kids out because you need people to work the farms usually you would use your kids you teach them the farm life um now okay so then when we were growing up we were having four kids in the house five kids in the house three kids in the house 10 kids in the house caucasians were having abortions um they were um tying up their tubes whatever they were not having they were having one and a half kids you know, uh, in their households. Now, if you notice, what are black people doing? Black people, no offense, man. Always, I think, look at Caucasians, and, uh, and for lack of better words, as the symbol of success. So, for example, there's this other thing going around. I've been doing this shit for years. The dusty look, right? The dusty look has been going on since I was in, I would say, college. So, I got to college about 2004, 2005, where teenagers started wearing the dusty look. I was wearing the dusty look all day, every day. I've been dusty. All right, I'm the dustiest, all right? <laughs> There's dust just coming off of my off me right now. So I've been doing the dusty look. I never spend over $50, $60 for a pair of regular shoes, 
know what I'm saying? They're usually walking shoes. And people love them. Believe it or not, when I'm walking around in them, people be like, oh, what kind of shoes? I'd be like, yeah, these are just walking shoes. If you ever go to your shoe spot, go to the walking shoe section. You cannot run in these shoes. You cannot play basketball in these shoes. They look like you may be able to play a little bit of basketball or something in them, but they're not. They're just walking shoes. Um, the, the soles and everything will come straight apart. Now, if you walk in them, they'll last years, five, six years. But if you start trying to use them as jogging shoes or if you try to use them as basketball shoes, you're going to start seeing the tread on the bottom and everything start falling off. Walking, they'll last for forever, uh, five, six, seven years. Um, so I've been buying the walking shoes. I've been wearing the dirty khakis, the, the dirty jeans, the dirty shirts. Been doing this shit. Little did I know it was going to become a fad. I did it because, all right, going into a little bit of my history, my parents, even though I say, yeah, I've always had a blessed upbringing, my parents never gave me any money. They would give me money occasionally. Like, uh, they would give me money probably like, like, let's say like once a year, probably around like uh, first day, the week before school, my parents would give me some money to go school shopping holidays go uh and then probably my birthday so a couple times throughout the year i would get money my parents never really gave me money i had to take this money and my parents would say get yourself a couple pairs uh jeans uh and this was also when i was in church real heavy like i was in church three times a week so two pair of pants one of them got to be for church three shirts one of them got to be for church uh i'd probably get two pair of shoes no, I would get three shoes. I would get a house shoe. I would get like a, a basketball shoe, which typically I would buy Timberlands. Um, I was supposed to be getting a basketball shoe, but I'd probably be getting Timberlands instead. Um, and then um, a church shoe. You know what I'm saying? So really, I only got one pair of shoes, three pair of pants, and like three shirts. So I've always kind of been used to just being dusty. I never really, you know... Um, really been fancy you know i'm i'm classy but i'm not like fancy you know what i'm saying now if i get money i'm taking class and fanciness to the next level people are not even gonna know what's coming you know what i'm saying we're gonna be classy we're gonna be etiquette we're gonna be fancy you know what i'm saying if i ever get money uh also while doing philanthropy and everything but so starting in college this dusty look was taken over you know what i'm saying We've seen it everywhere with the, with the, uh, the you know, more so it seemed to be like a Caucasian thing or something or uh, other groups of people who hung out with the Caucasians. Uh, not saying I don't hang out with Caucasians. I do. Some of my best friends are uh, Caucasians. I'm not trying to sound like that, that, that Caucasian guy or woman. Some of my best, my dog is black. My, my brother-in-law is black, you know, <laughs> but no, what I'm saying is, um, uh, uh, they, the the hoodies, the dusty pajama pants, the house shoes, the class, the grocery store, all that stuff. So what do I start seeing later on? That became a sign, a symbol of success. This meant that you were doing well, looking dusty, because people like Steve Jobs or people like Tim Cook or people like Bill Gates walk around looking dusty. You know, to be the multi-billionaires that they are, they walk around looking pretty basic. So now this is a sign. So now what do I see now? One thing real quick about the black community, I'm telling you, as I hear people say, they dress 
to the nines or whatever. Like black people, what was this? Tim, who's this? Let me see. Uh, who's this at the White House? Is that Tim Cook at the White House? Didn't Modi seem receptive? Uh, that one I'm not going to comment on, okay? Tim Cook is leaving the White House. India is uh, important for all companies. Great seeing you guys. Thank you, sir. All right, that was Arsima Modi there at the White House just moments ago. Apple CEO Tim Cook saying he sees a big opportunity in India. Remember, Apple opened up its first retail store in India earlier this year. Okay, but I started noticing. Now, black people, I'm telling you, seriously, even to this day, set the culture on fashion um, like, I'm not trying to be rude. Fashion, black people. Okay, that is on lock. Um, now if I had to say, I've noticed Asian people can be very fashionable, but fashion, black people, on lock, games on lock. I don't care if you're a multi-billionaire going in competition with a multi-thousandaire. Black people, fashion, on lock. Starting to notice black people starting to look dusty. They're, they're, they're hopping into the dusty look thing. You know what I'm saying? It's a sign of success. You know, you know, um, believe it or not, Caucasian and blacks and all of us, we all love each other. It's all bullshit they're trying to push out there that we're all against each other. We need to pin ourselves against each other. Black people, white people, Asian people, Latino people, whatever, we all love each other. Black people want to be signs of success and they kind of look at white people white people open up a restaurant i don't care if it's pizza it could be pizza if this is a successful caucasian establishment and what i mean is it was opened up by caucasians majority of the patrons in there are caucasian it's only a matter of time before black people start saying some shit like yo why can't we eat there like why can't and, and i'm all for equality now i'm not trying to say i'm not for equality but what i'm saying is it's like we love each other. You know, it's kind of like, hey, can we come in there and eat? You know what I'm saying? And then, like, um, even even the signs of success. Uh, Caucasians start dressing dusty. You know what I'm saying? I start seeing black people wanting to dress a little bit dustier. You know? One thing I also noted is Caucasians stop having children. You know? If you go to a black school, high school, college, there's going to be about three, four women at least walking around pregnant. You know, even in the high school, there's going to be about three or four women who are pregnant. And at the college, there's going to be about three or four women who are pregnant. You go to a Caucasian school, predominantly Caucasian school, ain't nobody pregnant. It's like, what, is nobody fucking here? Is, 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 is everybody celibate? Is everybody virgins here? No. Well, I was talking to one of my mans. He told me. Um, it was two people. Two people told me. I believe it was this biracial uh a woman that I used to talk to or something. And she would say, yes, in wills and trust, grandfathers, they put that shit in there. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, uh, uh, she, I believe she told me her ca- Caucasian grandfather put it in a will, put it in a trust, was like, you do not get pregnant before you graduate college or before you're married or something. Then my boy told me, uh similar thing it's like yeah no we don't want to have children until marriage or whatever so while we were in college you know they'll have four abortions you know what i'm saying 
Uh, not just saying uh, Caucasians. I'm sure blacks and Latinos and Asians and all the other groups do it too. If I if, if I ever leave out a group, I apologize. Pacific Islanders, um, Middle Easterns. Um, I'm sure they do it as well too. But it was, you know, hey, you will not get this trust fund money if you get pregnant by that little bobbleheaded boy across the street. They'll put this in the actual trust. So the girl will go over there, have sex with the boy across the street, get pregnant. She doesn't want to tell anybody. So what does she do? Because she wants to get that trust fund money. There's, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, there's $500,000. There's a million dollars in the trust fund. And she's the beneficiary. All she has to do is graduate college without getting pregnant. And she gets the trust fund. Not of course. Me personally, no offense. This is why I'm broke. I'm not scraping that baby. Me personally. But it's not my body. I can't speak on it. But a lot of people say, shit, I'm getting that million dollars, you know. So if you're a guy and you got eight women pregnant before you graduate from college and in a trust fund, it says, you know, you can't get pregnant before you graduate college or you can't get a woman pregnant before you graduate college. You may ask seven, eight women to get scratched. You know what I'm saying? Uh you know, and, and and it's a terrible thing. So I've been noticing black people doing a couple of things that I think kind of ruin success, which is one, um, um, looking, no offense, at other groups as signs of success and wanting to imitate it. And then two, and, and I'm not saying black people imitate everything. I'm not saying that. But there are things I notice of what they notice as signs of success. So like um, even where you live, your zip code, uh, you'll notice you know, blacks wanting to move to certain zip codes where it's like, you know, that's not going to be, you know, that's going to be a harder life for yourself moving to that certain zip code. But if you want, and just let us know how it goes. And and you'll get phone calls like, yo, y'all don't understand. Living around Caucasians is great. Like they come knock on your door, say hello. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you come to a black community. I'm telling you for real, you'll be like, damn, this is a chill ass neighborhood. Like, you know, like, because people will leave you alone. Like, nobody really, will really bother you for the most part. Black people, in an extent, in my personal opinion, are more concerned about germs and, and diseases and whatnot. Black people, as much as we don't get recognition for it, I'll tell you, very clean, organized. Uh, this is the stuff they don't put on television. Clean their house whew, every Saturday. Every weekend is cleaning day. Um... There's a bunch of black people who don't want no drama, no fighting. Uh, if you remember, supposedly the cleanliness came from blacks. Uh, there was a bunch of uh, Caucasians dying from diseases. And it was like, yeah, because you wash your butt once a week. You wash your butt, you know, once a month. So you got to wash your butt more than that, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, cleanliness actually came from black people, you know, <laughs> Uh not saying everything, and I know there's like prestigiousness in the Queen Elizabeth and the judicial system and whatnot, but yeah, supposedly, you know, how to get rice, corn, cleanliness, all that. So that stuff doesn't really get pushed. Uh, it's really not put out there. Uh, the amount of black families who are trying to keep their area clean, safe for the children. I mean, I don't want my child in, in any, you know, um, bad situation. I want them to be able to go outside and ride their scooter and their bike. Uh, for hours that you know and have a great time and not have to worry about uh, a, a neighborhood that's not safe um so um when black people see a new uh family move in i would say they more so don't want to bother them uh 
you know, one, because they want them to feel safe. They don't want them to feel like, oh, gosh, here comes the blacks. They're going to bother us. They're going to move in. Once they move in, they won't go out. They won't go away. Nah, blacks just really do care about everybody. It's like, hey, leave them alone. Uh, Like, if, if, if an Asian or a Caucasian came to a black party, I can almost guarantee everybody would say, just leave them alone. Let, let them, let them find their way, you know, let them find their way, help them with the food, help them with the glasses, help them with the bathroom, let them know where everything is at, but give them, give them some space, give them some time. Cause you also got to remember a lot of concepts of black people are perceived or received off of programs. You know what I'm saying? So It'd be like, yeah, just leave them alone. So if a new Asian family just moved in next door to me, I'm probably most likely going to give them a break. Just like, hey, just leave them alone. And then like when something like uh, Lunar New Year comes around, then yeah, I'll slide through and say, hey, I know it's Lunar New Year. You know, you want, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you want me to throw some hot dogs on the grill or something? Feel free to come get some. You know what I'm saying? Like just kind of give them some time and space because we all know the stereotypes and everything that's out there. Uh, and I'm not trying to build a bridge. I mean, I'm not trying to build a divide. I'm trying to build a bridge between all the groups if I could. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that if you come over here to the black side, you gotta, you're with us now. No, I want to hear uh, the Caucasian experience. I want to hear that. And I want to hear the Asian experience and the Latino experience. And when if I hang out with Caucasians, I don't want them to act black or whatever. I mean, not unless that's their personality. But no, do what y'all do. You know what I'm saying? Um, even to an extent, if all you cracker uh racist jokes or whatever you know do you you know what i'm saying but we got to get to a point where it's like okay we can build a bridge in the middle and we can meet each other there uh there's a difference between jokes and then there's a difference between actual systematic racial that's the thing that people don't really understand if i was hanging out with about caucasians just cracking their racial jokes or whatever jokes about dicks or whatever all right i get it but then when it's like too far where it's like um you know, systematic racial inequality, um, uh, whatever, just the different uh, inequalities that we have. But yeah, that was one thing I've noticed kind of about blacks. I don't say think I said it the way I would have liked to say it. Uh, that's what makes me so hesitant about creating content. But I'm noticing more black families having less babies, uh, which which does bother me. Um, I don't even know how we got on the topic of... Um, um, Oh, I did notice that uh, there's less young people in France. We'll just take a couple more minutes with uh, what's going on in France. Uh, But yes, I do think sometimes blacks can see that as a sign of success, having one or two children. Oh, look, I just have one child. I'm a successful black family. We only have two children, one little boy, one little girl. We're a successful black family. Uh, I I don't think that's correct. I think we should be having more uh, more babies. Um, Um. and also being true to ourselves, uh, me included. Now, me, I am just the way I am because this is the way I am. The way I talk, I did not realize was a white boy. I get called Cracker, like, all the time. They be like, yo, what's up, Cracker Chan? You know, the fellas, you know, cracking jokes. And they say, you know, I talk white, I act white. Like, yo, I know this sounds terrible. I'm about to get canceled. Another thing my um, my boys are calling me, they call me Jewish Chan. They like, what up, Jew? What up, Jew Chan? Or whatever, something like that. You know, because um, they be like, yo, you act like a Caucasian, and two, um, you're cheap as fuck. You know, <laughs> I'm always trying to work a deal. It don't matter. I could be at McDonald's, and I'd be like, yo, can I get, like, the first 10-piece 
uh, for like, you know, whatever, $7. And then can I get the second 10 piece for like, you know, five, $6? They're like, Chan, it is what it is. A 10 piece, 10 piece, you know, it's like, okay, okay. We can work a deal here. Um, anytime somebody, uh, and I'm a hard person to buy a gift for, not because, you know, I'm that hard to shop for, but I'm going to, um, I'm probably going to buy you a gift back. So if you send me a gift, I'm probably going to send you a thank you card back. And this thank you card is probably going to be a very nice thank you card, probably with some money inside of it. And it's like, dude, listen, man, you don't got a penny pinch. You don't got to, um, you know, you don't got to worry about it, man. You know, if I go over to somebody's house and they got liquor and uh, they got blue label, they got, um, I can't think of the top ones. You know, they got blue label, the, the top shelf shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hennessy VSOP. Uh, and then they got like, I don't know, uh, I don't know, Black Label or, or like Hennessy or something. I'll go after like the Hennessy or, or like the, because the, it's the most basic shit. I don't want to go into somebody's house and grab like the Blue Label, you know what I'm saying? Or something like that. Or the McAllen, whatever, 18 or whatever. Um, but yeah, let's take, let's listen to this French, this French woman just a little bit more. Some of the dancers did go out to protest against the reforms, but often they have a different attitude to work. Some even carry on until they are well past 80. I work on a voluntary basis as a manager in companies, in startups. According to a study by the prestigious higher education establishment Sciences Po, most French people do not feel similarly fulfilled by their work. Real quick, if I could say, I feel like I'm going to be working until I die. Like, I, I could be wrong, like, but as that guy, that gentleman just stated, it has to be on a voluntary basis. Like, believe it or not, um, my health is shit. Uh, my nutrients is not the worst, but as far as exercising and everything, it's shit. Uh, I need to exercise. I need to get my sleep. I need to eat healthier. I'm not saying I, I do need to, but like this does not come easy with working, raising families, extracurricular activities. It can become difficult to, you know, eat a healthy meal. I'm not saying people can't do it. There's multi-billionaires who can do it, multi-millionaires who can do it. There are very disciplined people who can do it. There's poor people who can do it. I don't have any excuse. But raising a family, going to work and everything, it can become very difficult to um, to stay focused on exercise, getting sleep. Before I got terminated, I promise you, just between, well, whatever, whoever's listening, I was sleeping probably two hours, three hours a night, not even five or six. I'm talking about two. I would probably go to bed around midnight, wake up probably about 4 a.m., probably about 3.30 a.m., and be awake until midnight probably the next day. Uh I'm getting up around 3.30 so that I can start work because I know my family is going to wake up around 6.30. And when they wake up, I've already got three hours of work in. Um, and then I can attend to them. I'm going to be t- attending to my family till it's going to be about 10 a.m. And I know it sounds crazy, but you start getting the family ready. Let's just say they're ready around, I don't know, 7.30, 8 a.m. Get them all taken care of. Um, get them to where they need to be. Now, um, I'm pulling up to the house about eight thirty. You know, so then 
I take care of my, you know, myself, I, you know, uh, bathe myself, eat my food. So I do that till probably about 930. So I'm logging back in at my job around 930 a.m., you know, uh, and then I'm on my clock at work until 6, 7, 8 p.m., you know, and that's about the time extracurriculars activities start. You're doing the extracurricular activities till about 830 p.m., then, you know, dinner, um, cleaning the house. Uh, and then um, that's probably all done at about about 9.30, 10 p.m. And then I probably have an hour or two to myself to get myself together. Uh, but I feel like that is going to diminish me. I'm not going to be able to work for the rest of my life doing that. But if I can voluntarily work, take a break, go home, catch up on my rest, catch up on bills, catch up on everything, get my house clean and in order, get plenty of rest, exercise, nutrition, then I could work for the rest of my life. And I feel like if I could do work like, let's say, content creating, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, Let's keep going. Melanie studied art history and was hoping to curate exhibitions, but she did not find a job. Here we are in front of the Notre Dame Cathedral. Melanie gives guided tours of Paris to tourists, but she's not happy with the job. I started two months ago and have no social life anymore. I work every weekend. On holidays, I finish late at night, sometimes 10 p.m. It's a shame because I like the profession, but I see that I'm having to sacrifice something to do it. She spends her lunch breaks alone, not with colleagues. She feels like a small cog in the Paris tourist industry machine. Yet, on paper at least, French legislation is worker-friendly, offering a 35-hour working week and at least five weeks annual vacation. Miriam Bass says that many young people do not realize how lucky they are. I think the attitude to work has changed. In my day, working was about fulfillment. I was a teacher, so I wanted to teach, to share. Now I'm scared that for young people, working is more about earning lots of money. I'm sorry. But she wants recognition, and not just having the feeling of being a number. This is the Defense area, the business district of Paris. All these towers are office towers. I had to say it. Um, fulfillment is important to me. I like. Uh, I think there was a recent study. Let's go ahead and take a look real quick. Um, someone sued their company for not having any work for like two years. Let me see. Um, if I'm correct, there was somebody who sued their company for not having enough work. Someone sued the, someone sued their company for not having enough work. All right, let me see. This was back in 2016, I believe. Uh, let's take a look at this real quick. This man sued his employer for $400,000 because he was bored at work. Published Thursday, May... Oh, my bad. I just... Hit a button. Thursday, May 5th, 20161, colon 16 p.m. EDT updated Wednesday, July 6th, 
2016-20161-14 p.m. EDT. Sarah Witten at Sarah Witt 10. Share. Z Bored at work? You could always try suing your employer. That's what Frederick Desnard, a 44-year-old Parisian worker, has done. He filed a lawsuit against Interparfums, a perfume and cosmetics company, demanding more than $400,000 in compensation for being bored out of his $90,000 a year job, according the Washington Post, citing French media. See, I didn't even know that was I didn't even know that was in France. Is okay. So, um that's that's why I work. I work for fulfillment. I'm sorry. I'm not one of these people who uh maybe I'm suburban, maybe I'm a bitch. I don't know, but I'm dead ass. Like I go to work because I want to feel fulfilled. If I can't take any work home and not not necessarily like homework, but if I can't take my job home and talk to my family about my job, not not like national security stuff, but like uh even being a maintenance man. If I can't take some work home and be like, guess what I learned today as a maintenance man? I learned how to work on tiles. You know, so now I I know how to work on tiles, not me personally, but just something like that. Now, if it's national security and everything, then that's something different. Um, but like, I want to feel fulfilled uh, at my job. Um, so that's why I plan on, I, I, I am not an individual who could work a job that I hate long. You will not see me at a company that I hate. I would say, I would definitely try to hit the, I would try to hit the one year mark. The one and a half, I would go, one and a half to two year mark. After that, I got to get out of there or my soul will be crushed, which was happening to me. And that's why I had to, you know, get out of there. Um, I couldn't I couldn't be with my last organization too much longer because they were crushing my soul. Uh, but here, let's uh, just let's wrap it up with the people in France. We've been talking for about 45 minutes. Population in France is frustrated. Too much hierarchy and not enough freedom. Melanie agrees. I want to like my work. I want it to fulfill me. If you don't want to get up in the morning to go to work, you end up not going anywhere. It's counterproductive. It's a toxic relationship. It's toxic. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to do that to yourself. Okay, so we have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the climate. Uh, we have the uh, the Modi situation. We're clearly looking at defense. We're going to help them out with their jets. I'm pretty sure they're going to help us out with some semiconductors or some security or some taxes or something. Uh, we still have some wars going on in Ukraine. They have a nuclear uh, uh, explosion issue, which I'm not trying to uh, downplay it. Uh, we still have um, a lot of justice issues with police officers. We have our political stuff going on as well. 2024 is coming up anytime around the corner. Uh, so we have a pretty good, a pretty good idea of like not just what's happening in securities, but kind of the element of the world. It's, it doesn't seem like it's like Pleasantville. We're kind of in a toxic um, inflation, consumer prices, housing market shows a little bit of boom at a time, but then it doesn't. It's, it's a very uncertain. I'm going to say the VIX showed volatility. Uh, let me see. Uh, I'm going to CNBC real quick. Uh, it appears that there's some volatility. It was, it was up about 4% yesterday. It's unchanged today. So, yeah, volatility is probably going to be up a little bit. Um, 
we got a whole lot going on. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we'll take a look at see how we can approach that in the market. Uh, this is Chan Man, House of Bar.